Dear friends, this is a wonderful occasion that we gather here in the centre of London, in what might be called the heart centre of Britain. We are looking at the most extraordinary phenomenon in our time. Here we live in a world in which many people are greatly disturbed and even in despair. when all sorts of dark forces are rampaging about and doing damage and harm and creating fear. And within this comes the supreme hope in our age of turmoil, the tremendous realization that God is in action amongst us and there is this possibility of redemption through the power of love. Listen to his words, known of course to many of you. I am with you always. Your heart is my home. The world is my mansion. Even those who deny me are mine. Call me by any name, I shall respond. Picture me in any form, I shall present myself before you. Do not slander or injure anyone. If you are slandering me who is in him, Just look at that claim. This is a tremendous thought. The implications of this are so enormous. Either that claim is so much arrogance and nonsense, or it is true. And we know that it is true. Here is this, in this age of ours, we are breaking through into the vision of wholeness. This is the notable thing about our age out of a period of materialism 
of separation, of apartness, of a sense that we are all separated individuals in a world made up of a mass of separate things. In a world essentially dead in which life has appeared as by accident. In our time comes this turnabout in consciousness in a realization of the vision of wholeness. It is virtually a recovery of what is called the ancient wisdom. It was known in the great mystery temples of old that the universe is mind, not matter, not mechanism but a great ocean of thought poured out from the Creator. That the whole of apparently empty space is filled with this vast ocean of being. The whole is life. In a sense it is an ocean of life. An ocean of living ideas which are the thoughts of God, which are in fact beings and which are able to embody themselves in form. It needs an effort of imagination on our part to grasp the implications. This earth on which we tread is a living creature a living organism with its own breathing, bloodstream, sensitivity and intelligence. And furthermore, we human beings are not just separated, isolated people as we feel. Here is the step in imagination to grasp that humanity is itself one organism. The intellect, the senses don't show us this. It is the intuition and the imagination that can grasp this thought. Get hold of that, that humanity is one living organism and every one of us is a cell of that organism. And furthermore we are integrally part of the whole of nature. We are that point when nature has become self-conscious. Where the planet is able to look out consciously and creatively into the universe. Now the second great principle of the ancient wisdom, the first being that the universe is mind, the second is what they call the law of correspondences, as above, so below. As in the great, so in the very small. 
as in the macrocosm, so in the microcosm. And the implication is that the human being, the microcosm, contains all the secrets of the universe. The Greeks carved above their temple of Delphi, Man, know thyself, and thou shalt know the universe. A remark which must mean nothing to rational materialism, but holds the stupendous truth that this organism, this physical body, ensouled body, is the temple into which a spiritual being can descend. We grasp now, in reversing the materialistic worldview, that every human being, the essence, the I in every one of us, that which can say I, is a droplet of divinity. I stress again, this is an in the West here, is an absolute turnabout in the center of our consciousness. The Orient, India, has known it. We, through three centuries, have forgotten it. Science and mysticism are now flowing once more together. For the most advanced scientific thinking is discovering that solid matter is energy, that the solidity of matter is a great illusion, and that everything is in movement and is alive. Well, if everything is flowing into everything else, we grasp the great oneness of things. We are part of this immense oneness. We are that point of nature which has become conscious. The real we is not this body which I repeat is the temple that enables a divine being to operate in the heavy density of the physical world. If we are a droplet of God, each of us, that droplet is axiomatically immortal. It always was and it always will be. As the Bhagavad Gita says, never the spirit was born, the spirit shall cease to be never. Never was time it was not. End and beginning are dreams. Birthless and deathless and changeless remaineth the spirit forever. Death hath not touched it at all. Dead though the house of it seems. In our death-ridden culture, when 90% of every news on television or radio 
is about death, murder, disaster in, of some sort in another. We are discovering the stupendous truth that the part of a man or woman that matters, the I, is a deathless droplet of divinity. It cannot die. It can be released from the body to return to source. But it is immortal. It's the most important thought that we can inject into our culture. And here comes the wonderful phenomenon of the appearance of divinity, of God, in manifestation in our midst. One who can say to us, here are his words, the universe is the body of God. All creation is the vesture of God. Love God in every creature. Love God and you see God in every creature. I repeat, what we have to do is to activate the powers of imagination and intuition which have gone dormant in most of us. In the West here, through three centuries of materialistic, intellectual, rational, scientific thinking, we have activated and developed what the scientists call now the left hemisphere of the brain, the masculine, controlling, ordering power that enables us to build a great technology. And the price we have paid is the atrophying, the dying, the going dormant of the organs of perception connected with the right hemisphere of the brain. The capacity to apprehend the living oneness. To see beyond the limited senses with the eye of the mind into the one life present in every living form. To see again the world of the nature spirits and of the angels and to realize the presence of God in everything. Well now the picture that we are getting, a majestic picture, is that humanity is not an accident of chance natural selection as our grandfathers here thought. And we are one of the great purposes of the universe. This planet, this beautiful planet, is the chosen point for a great experiment, a grand experiment of God in taking part of creation and letting it become creative. This is what humanity is. Humanity, the tenth hierarchy 
a little lower than the angels but crowned with glory and honor on this planet this great experiment has been made and reaches a culminating point for at this stage in history now as we approach the entry to the Aquarian age comes the possibility of man overcoming materialism overcoming this closed in intellectual consciousness expanding consciousness to unite with the ocean of mind now there have been individuals at all ages and many in our time who have taken the step into cosmic consciousness ultra consciousness the great mystics the initiated ones the great seers who have been able to expand consciousness to unite with the whole ocean of mind and have demonstrated then that there virtually are no limits to human potential that it is possible to get the answer to every question directly the word is noetically by immediate tapping of the divine thought now these great human beings have shown the potential of humanity that we are really in our benighted age in our rather terrible age when it looks as if the world is falling to bits we are really seeing the presence of God I have come to repair the ancient highway to God I have not come on behalf of any sect or creed or religion I have come to light the lamp of love in the hearts of all humanity I have said that humanity is one organism now when in your little microcosm here cells decide not to work to the divine design and program but to go off on their own you call it cancer we are cells in the body of humanity we are not separated every one of us here today is a cell in this great body how many of those human cells are not following the divine program that are following the desires of the ego greed ambition desire striving for possession and property and power filled with hate and rivalry and readiness to kill in other words the earth is cancerous for we are the earth
We are the point where the earth and nature has become conscious. We are the stewards of the planet. And the whole planet is getting cancerous. And the disease looks as if it may be terminal. But, and this is the point, in the great experiment, man, male, female always, the human being, had to be separated from God. Can you get this point? So long as a being can see the angels, can see the nature spirits, can apprehend God directly, will he, she will obey the law of God as the angels do. The essence of this great experiment is that a part of nature, a part of the universe, is allowed first to break away, to lose touch with the spiritual world and therefore achieve a freedom. With the gamble taken by the heaven world that we shall go hopelessly wrong in the process. But the possibility that the moment will come when one soul after another stops in its egoism, reorientates from battling with each other to get the better of other people, reorientates upon God, rededicates to the heaven world. Now freedom we know must not be interfered with by the angels. They are our guides, our invisible guides, but they will not interfere with freedom. They are all the time staging situations in our lives, all of our lives, for our own education and in order that we should take the great steps onwards in consciousness, that we should wake up. Humanity is beginning to wake up now. This is the point. This is the stage. Everything points to the fact that in this last years of the century, the opportunity comes, the impetus comes to change, to take a reversal of consciousness. Individual human cells orientating once more and rededicating themselves to the service of God. And at that moment that the individual cell does that, the angelic power can flood. It can take over again without interfering with freedom because we have dedicated ourselves, attuned and offered ourselves to God. That means that into the earth now is flooding light, power, love, Try with your imagination to grasp this. That into the earth, from the high heavenly, the spiritual sun, from that level, a force field of living light and power is being flooded. Very high frequency. Conceive an invisible force field 
which brings harmony into all aspects of life, a force field of light and love, entering the world of matter and taking possession of it. What does any magnetic field do? It draws together into harmony all the particles attuned to it. It rejects and it repels all particles which are vibrating on another level. So with this living force field, it will draw to itself all those human particles, human cells, souls, that are open to the God power and fill them with a new love, harmony, power, light. It will repel and reject those which are operating on the level of violence, greed, hate, egoism, and so forth. will throw them out. Those who are dedicated to egoism and desire and power, will they not feel that the angel of death is moving through society? they will be aware, consciously or unconsciously, of a power which will fill them with terror, which will withdraw their strength. When you look at our world, can you not imagine that the symptoms of disaster now so rampant in our society may be the forces of negation, of darkness, of greed, of egoism, putting up a desperate fight against the influx of the forces of light, against this great force field of light. The truth, dear friends, is this, that an operation for the cleansing of the planet is taking place. And the form it is taking is the raising of the frequency rate which will lift any human beings who are capable of attuning to it will lift them towards a higher consciousness and will repel and will throw out those who are vibrating on the other level. And they may well in some way be washed away, blown away onto some other planetary level. Not dead, for there is no death for the eye of man but gathered on some lower planetary level while those attuned will be capable of bringing to birth the new age. This is the tremendous epoch in which we live. Listen again now. The calamity which has come upon mankind will be averted a new golden age will recur. I shall not fail. It is not in the nature of avatars to fail. <sighs> what a tremendous age we live in. You see, if the materialists are right, the rationalists are right, the world is so bad, so mad, so wicked, 
that and so ignorant that nothing is going to stop disaster somebody is going to push that damn need button and we shall end with a searing flame if we're not washed out by tidal waves before or frozen out by a new ice age that's the kind of world we live in but there is this other factor wholly ignored in our politics, our economics, even our ecology God in action the spiritual world you see, if this planet is a living creature a gland in the whole body of the solar system the, the intelligences of the solar system are not going to tolerate this endocrine gland in their midst going sick something has got to happen freedom has been given to man but there is a limit to which he can be allowed his madness the image that I get is that on our Guy Fawkes night on November the 5th or on the midsummer we light the bonfires suppose the children said come on we've got a lovely new idea we light the bonfire in the drawing room nobody's ever thought of that before well the most liberal parent at that point would say no you will not you will go and light it in the bottom of the orchard but not in the house do you honestly think that the higher intelligences of the universe are going to tolerate a planet destroying this precious planet destroying this wonderful web of life that has developed they won't I'm going to read you something there was a film recently called the day after some will have seen it which purposed to show what it would be like if we went to nuclear war the day after that a highly accredited, accredited sensitive in this country received this communication now this is one of many that I could quote to you on the same line but listen to this this is about that film you can rest assured that this will not happen as the higher forces will not allow it to happen there are now many high spirits on earth who are helping to raise the general consciousness to the level of the spiritual hierarchy drawing up humanity towards the supreme reality this great power is one of mercy and of love which is more powerful than those negative forces generated on earth we of the spiritual hierarchy are ever watching over those who are in control of the nuclear warheads 
and can stop any further disasters. Hiroshima was to warn mankind of its futility. Do not fear. There are checks and balances in universal law which will keep mankind on a path of growth and development now towards the higher realm of that spiritual reality. A magnetic force drawing them upward on a path of returning to their divine source. This, dear friends, is the real news. This stuff you see on television, sensational though it be, is only the news of degenerate man caught by the forces of darkness. The real news is that the forces of light are taking over. That this great force field of light is rising, is lifting the frequency rate in the whole of matter. And if once that force field of light is established, whether around the aura of an individual, or around a group, or even across a country, it is absolute protection. It is indeed the only protection. And talking of nuclear war, no nuclear device will work in that force field of light. They have said that again and again, we have complete control. We can neutralize any nuclear device instantly. It's a wonderful thought. They just won't work. But inevitably, God must play, can we say, the game of brinkmanship. He won't really show his hand until the moment of great crisis. Remember this. If we come to the point of absolute crisis, that point where mankind always sends up the cry of despair, Oh God, oh Christ, oh Jesus, oh what? That is the point when the thing will come. When we attempt to go to war, the reply will come from the higher worlds and the weapons of destruction will melt in our hands. They won't work. This is the kind of apocalyptic drama. We live in an apocalyptic age. Remember the great apocalyptic phrase there that after the tribulation, such as never was, cometh the Son of Man upon the clouds with power and great glory and the trumpeting of angels. And then Babylon, city of abominations, is thrown down and the beast is chained for a thousand years in the abyss and the new Jerusalem descends as a bride prepared for her husband. Wonderful allegorical stuff. The great myth. But we live in this, we are living out this great saga, this vast drama. And we all have a part to play in it, a tremendous part. 
And this drama involves the actual entry of God into the scene, and he has entered. The calamity which has come upon mankind will be averted. A new golden age will recur. I shall not fail. It is not in the nature of avatars to fail. You see now, the world is so bad, so wicked, so ludicrous, so dangerous, that it is perfectly valid that we should put everything on this glorious conception. I would say one very important point as I draw towards an end, particularly to any here who would not yet call themselves devotees, but who are really trying to find out about this thing. With these great spiritual ideas, you have no, the, you do not need to believe. We are not asking belief. This is not proselytizing religion. I'm saying something now which is in fact very important because our rational intellectual minds are so used after three centuries of scientific training to think we can only believe what we can prove to the senses. The intellect proudly demands, you must prove it, weigh and measure the thing before I believe it. That was essential at the beginning of our period to get us clear of the clutter of medieval thinking. But it meant that straight away we cut out the supersensible, the world of the angels, the nature spirits, God himself. We cut out the invisible. Now we have got with our minds to find a way of coming to terms with the invisible, with the ocean of living thought, which is the universe. And we there have to develop the faculties of imagination and intuition, right hemisphere, that can apprehend that living whole. What we are talking today implies that just because the world situation is so grim, it is totally valid on us to take this superb picture that God is on the march and that God is present on earth now as a power of love bringing redemption, redemption through the power of love. I repeat, you haven't got to prove it before, prove these spiritual ideas before you use them. Note this now. We all have the power of apprehending an idea. We can seize an idea out of the ether, like this. Gosh, how wonderful, that would explain life. Take such an idea and put it in your heart and decide to live with it as if it were true. Try it out. These spiritual ideas are alive. Get that. They are beings. Angels are strands of the thought of God. They are the ideas. And you can seize on an idea and live with it. And if it is true, because it's alive, it will draw certainty to itself. And if it's not, it will fade out of your consciousness. 
This is a real technique for exploring into imponderable, invisible wells, exploring into the spiritual world. And it's the great adventure. We are living through the tremendous adventure, the most wonderful period of a living saga, a living drama, in which the last act has now begun and is going to be dramatic indeed. And we who are forerunners of the new vision, who've realized the possibility and are prepared to act as if it were true that God is in everything and God is alive and with us on the world now, we can then work creatively with this power that we really recognize that we can dedicate ourselves highly to working through the tremendous events approaching us. I will end with a quatrain, four lines from one of our poets, James Elroy Flecker. Awake, awake, the world is young for all its weary years of thought. The starkest fights must still be fought. The most surprising songs be sung.